Welcome to episode number 97 of the Extraordinary Women podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Harmel, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Bonnie Ashley from Bonavista Optics. Now, that might sound like a super technical conversation, but Bonnie isn't your typical eyeglass maker. She designed eyeglasses for the movie industry for years. And more recently, Bonnie created an entire line of eyeglasses for Downton Abbey. She created a business, and this should give us all inspiration, that brought together all of her loves and all of her interests, good, attractive eyewear, history, and the movie industry. So let's get started. You are listening to the Extraordinary Women Podcast, a podcast for the woman entrepreneur, where we have candid conversations about the journey of starting a business. You'll get valuable tips and advice as you launch yourself on your own entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, Sherry Harmel, the editor of the Extraordinary Women Magazine Circle. And I embrace my own entrepreneurial journey as a woman of, say, a certain age. And if I can do it, ladies, so can you. I now divide my time between Paris and Boston, which fulfills my desire to create this life reimagined while building a business I love. I am so happy you are here. So let's jump right in. Hi, Bonnie. Good to see you. Oh, good to see yeah. you. Finally in person. Yeah. <laughs> now, back up a little bit, though, because I found out about you because I'm a crazed fan of Chateau Diaries and Stephanie Jarvis. And we all are. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, she's, she's incredible and what she's accomplished there. But she talked about you because... Obviously, you introduced, I think, the Downton Abbey glasses, and then she ended up with some Downton Abbey glasses. So how did you all get connected? I think that's so interesting. Well, there's there's kind of a whole lot of worlds that collided at that point. It was kind of funny because my daughter and I, uh, adult daughter and I, traveled together a little bit. And I'll I'll back up even further. Good. So many years back, during the series of Downton Abbey, I was going through a medical procedure that put me flat on my back for months. And I was not one of the initial Downton Abbey crazy people. I didn't, I had heard about it and I never had time. So here I'm flat on my back and I'm like, well, what should I do now? And so turned on Downton Abbey and kind of got hooked and watched the whole thing in a very short time span, as many people did. So then once I was well, my daughter and I decided we were going to take the pilgrimage over to hike their castle, okay. which we did and fell in love with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a SAG actor, a Screen Actors Guild actor, just small bit parts, background, nothing extraordinary, but enough to have fun. Yeah. And so that same year, my husband and I went to Screen Actors Guild Awards after party and we got to know all the people from Downton Abbey. I mean, it was just one crazy thing, oh my God. literally coincidentally leading into another. And so then I started thinking about, you know, I do custom eyewear. We can get into that a little bit yes. later. 
Okay. Got and doing custom eyewear, I thought, you know, why not put your passions together? And so I had talked with actually some of the people with High Clear Castle with their licensing people. And then they basically showed me the ropes for licensing and then continued on to do some research and found out who did the licensing for Downton Abbey and approached her. So she's in New York and she thought it was an absolutely fabulous idea to do Downton Abbey eyewear. But then we had to go through the hurdles of getting an approval from the different film studios that pulled the licensing. Okay. So we did that. I had to write essays on history of eyewear, and I had to know all about the styles and everything in that time frame in that era of Downton Abbey. And so I did that. And then they did a lot of research. And, you know, I had connections with the people from the shows, and they saw that I did custom eyewear and the work that I did and that type of thing. So it took a year. but at the end of that year, they gave me the contract. Yeah, I get to design and distribute for Canada, United States, and most of Europe and the UK. So that's how the Downton Abbey stuff happened. Okay. And then my daughter Sherry and I went to Lalande because mm -hmm. during lockdown, we were stuck at home when we were, my daughter lives in Canada and I live in the States. Okay. Currently. And, um, so we had gotten into Chateau Diaries and uh, wanted to meet Stephanie and all of the people at the Chateau. And so we went and stayed there for a few days and got to know them. And I just in casual conversation at dinner, I mentioned uh, Stephanie asked what we did. And so I told her what I was doing. And so she was like, yes, I have to have you on the show. And I'm like, OK, I'm not going to turn you down. So, yeah, so she interviewed me on Chateau Diaries, which was really fun. I was a nervous wreck, as I always am, like yeah. now, too. But it won't be. Yeah, so that's that's how all of that happened. It's just kind of one thing leads to another. You know, when you have passions, things tend to follow you when you, you know, kind of follow those roads. So but it sounds like it was this combination of passions, the intersection of multiple passions. How did you ever get into eyewear? So way back in 1980, I was finishing high school. And honestly, a friend of my dad's was an ophthalmologist and he needed an assistant. And I was going to be going to Bible college, but I needed something in between to learn and to start. And so I ended up working as an ophthalmic assistant, and I got into mainly running his contact lens department in, in his office. Okay. And I continued with that, you know, part-time through college and then um, full-time afterwards uh, for many years working in the optical industry. And I did everything from uh, working for contact lens manufacturers and being a sales rep to all of the different uh, optometrists. Sure. Um, so teaching optometrists and optometry assistance, what it's like to do custom contact lenses and that type of thing. So I started in the contact lens and then gradually went into the eyewear, gradually got disenchanted over the years with different, how can, I'm trying to say this very nicely. <laughs> um, it was a very professional industry when I started. Okay. It got to be more corporate and more about the numbers rather than the product and the service. Yeah. So I ended up leaving the industry for a while and I got into photography. It's all optics, right? Yeah. So I was I was actually 
market development and coordinator for a an international um, preschool photography company. And I did children's preschool photography and training and hiring and all that kind of good stuff. Interesting. So did that, um, which was great because that taught me a little bit more about the outside business world, a little bit bigger business if you want. So did did that and then ended up getting married again later in life. And so I had quit everything for a short period of time. And then I was bored as I get very easily. (laughs) I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? And this again was when I was basically flat on my back going through treatment. And so I took my licensing courses again and and got back into um, my opticianry. But I got into a different facet of it because I was not going to go do the corporate conglomerate kind of situation. And I really worry about design and making sure things fit and all of that kind of thing. So I got into bespoke eyewear, custom eyewear fitting, and then that gradually led to doing custom eyewear. And again, having been in the industry since 1980, I knew a lot of people. So, you know, it wasn't terribly difficult to get back into it, but it was a whole learning curve on getting into a different aspect of it. And I have great mentors in the industry of wonderful eyewear designers that are really good friends of mine. And so we all work together and this joint joint effort. Yeah, it just, it kind of blossomed from one thing into another. It was a matter of, you know, a few years. But yeah, went from opening a new shop to, and, and bringing in other people's things to doing custom bespoke eyewear on other brands and then being able to do my own and then getting the Downton Abbey line. So go backwards though, because it's called Bona Vista Optics. Is this right? Correct. Okay. Bona, so if anyone's looking, it's bonavistaoptics.com. But it started out as a brick and mortar shop, it sounds like. I actually, when I restarted again, it was in Los Angeles. And I was in the Screen Actors Guild building, the oh. SAG after building. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, cool. So, and then everybody has classes there. So a lot of celebrities, everybody goes by your door and I hand out a little gift bag while they're going out and, you know, got some people interested. And, and, and you know, again, it just kind of went from there of being the right place at the right time, doing the right, you know, again, location, 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 right? It's a matter of, of, of building a brand in the right location. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I moved to Burbank and then our family left the Los Angeles area, came out to Ohio. And I, this is where I opened the little boutique. Yeah. And so I have just a little boutique and, and now I only work by appointment with custom eyewear. That's it. Okay. And so, but you also do online, don't you? Do you do online? Yeah. I have a website. I have everything there so that everything's accessible. But yeah, it is transitioning from, the brick and mortar yeah. into going into manufacturing and wholesale. Yeah. 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 I still will do custom eyewear for people. Absolutely. I do it all over the world for people, but that's just, again, that's a very specialized thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how hard is it to go from, you know, kind of people, customer focus, because I'm in front of you and you're doing custom eyewear for me versus manufacturing wholesale where it's you don't really see the person you're trying to design and manufacture for a much larger group of people 
right? And that's part of what the years of experience as an optician comes in. One of the things that happens, um, and again, I believe every, there's a place for everybody. Everybody's got their place. But my particular conviction, I really want eyewear that fits. I want eyewear that works for that prescription that goes in. I mean, you can have a great frame, but once the lenses are in, they look terrible and they break because they can't hold the lens properly. So, you know, if you're just, and again, I have to be careful how I say it, but if you're just a fashion designer Mm -hmm. and you've never understood optics or how lenses work or how the facial structure is, it's a lot harder Mm -hmm. to design a frame. And so basically, you know, what happens is there's several layers of people in order to get that frame to market under that particular designer. And it, you know, it's sometimes it works. I gotta be careful. I really have to be careful. (laughs) But having an optician design the eyewear is just a very smart thing to do because we know, you know, what most bridges are like, what most, you know, the length of the temples, the width of the face, the way the bone structure, the way the bottom of the frame hits the cheeks. If you smile, the way the eyelashes hit the lens when it's a thick lens, we know all of those things. So having an optician design your frame, it's just a, a, a really big positive rather yeah. than just, you know, a fashion statement type of thing. That's why you're going to see a lot of flat frames that doesn't, you know, match the prescription and the curve of your face. You know, it's just it's not right. So as an optician, we're going to be a lot pickier about the shape of the frame and, and how it fits your face and how the lens is going to sit in it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And like I said to you before we started recording, a part of me was because I wear reading glasses. So these are like from Whole Foods or something. Um, You will be horrified. But part of me was like, what should I put on? What goes yeah. in my outfit? What goes well, and, in and it's face? I mean, most people don't teach. So, okay. So when you come into an eyeglass shop, yeah. the first thing they should say is, can I see your prescription, please? Okay. That's the first thing that they should say, because your lens, the way it's cut, the thickness of it, the angle that the thickness sits at, all of those things matter. So the first thing they should be asking is, can I see your prescription, please? Look at and evaluate your prescription. And if they can't do that, that's an issue. So you, you re- that needs to be the first thing. Once they've spent time with you on what your lenses should be, because let's face it, it's a prescription, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that you're going, well, I think I'll use this. It's a prescription. So it should be taken seriously. And it's your eyes. I, don't, I only get one set in my lifetime. I'm not sure about everybody else, but right. Pretty sure that's how it is. So you want to take good care of them. Yeah. Um, so first thing is your lenses. Make sure your lenses are well taken care of and that you have what's best for you in your actual lens. And and again, we do lifestyle dispensing so that we say, you know, what are your hobbies? How do you use your glasses? Are you in and out? Are you just inside? Are you outside? What are you using them for? So those things all matter. Yeah. Um, then beyond that, once we get past that, then we want to find a frame that fits and whether you're off the rack or custom, you know, depends Mm -hmm. if you have a special need that you really need custom or if you can wear off the rack. So when you're trying on frames, the first thing you should do, this is very simple to follow. And if you can follow this and please, I'm talking to all newscasters that are out there on television, (laughs) make sure your eyeglasses fit. Okay. So off my chest. You want to be in line with your brow. Okay. No lower than your nail nas- nasal indentation. Okay. Your indentation right here. You don't want to be lower than that. 
Okay. In line with the top of your ears, not out and not in. So if they're out, your lens, once it's in there, is going to magnify this area right here. So you don't want a big bubble right here. You may not see it. Everybody else will. So you want it in line with the top of your ears. Okay. Um, Okay. And then if you're having a round frame, a little round frame, you feel where your eye socket is. Yeah. Oh, that's where your circle should be. That's your circle. It's a little round frame. Oh my. So, so if you're doing a little round frame, you follow the circle. If you're using a larger frame in line with your brow, you don't want two eyebrows. Right. 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 Or just three. If it goes up to you, here, you have this, this, and whatever your lens gives off to the world. So yeah. you want to have it basically following your brow line. Oh my. There's another rule. If you're using a square frame, you're not going to follow your brow line, but it's going to be a heavier, heavier material so that you're actually making a statement. Because if you just have a thin straight line, it's not making the statement. And again, it just looks like it doesn't fit. So those are some basic things. Follow your brow line no lower than the nasal indentation in line with your ears. Again, if your temp, if your frame comes in, instead of being straight, what's going to happen is everything beyond the edge of your frame sticks out. It just looks like you're p- putting it, on something, wearing clothes that are too small for you. Yeah, yeah. So those are some really basic guidelines that'll help everybody. Yeah, those are fabulous tips. But go back to Downton Abbey because, you know, these were these are all actors that have played those roles for a number of years now. So in terms of designing, let's say, Edith glasses, I, I don't even know if there are Edith glasses. Yeah. But her face is very different from Mary's face. So did you actually come up with the design? Um, You talked about history and honoring history, but also that would work for that actor. Okay, so when you work with the studios, the first thing is, especially with Downton Abbey, you are dealing with an incredibly talented group of artists. So they actually, everything I do has to follow. We actually have a style guide that we follow and we have to follow the guidelines that lay out, that they lay out. However, I will tell you, they are wonderful, wonderful to work with. And they, they know what they're doing. They know what they want to portray, but absolutely gave me, you know, quite a, quite a long leash. The artists that you work with, you're meaning... The costume, the historical yes. contributors. Oh. And and honestly, it just, it goes to production and I don't even know who all was involved there, but it did go to the top. I will tell you that everybody knows what everybody's doing. Okay. So there's, there's nothing that happens without approval from the top. Okay. So yeah, so everything goes in there, but they, they gave me basic guidelines um, and it had to be era specific. And I had a little bit of artistic license with that, but it had to be era specific. So again, being in the industry a long time, I do know basic, you know, history of of eyewear. And I have, again, mentors whose fathers and grandfathers were in the industry at that time. So, I mean, I had firsthand help, you know, from from people that were there. Yeah. So they give basic guidelines and then I, I follow my rules. That I that I give of follow the brow line no lower than the nasal indentation in line with the top of the ears. So what I do, and I'm giving away my my secrets, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> take their pictures and make make them, you know, graph them basically to size, and then I dot the absolutes that cannot change for it to fit that person. Okay. 
Okay. So these are the absolutes that I need to have for this person. And then we basically did a study on each one of the characters, full character study on everybody, which was not that hard for me. And of having seen everything six times and having met most of them. Um, Yeah. So able to understand their character. And I actually, to be totally honest, I even contacted some of them and said, what do you think? Would it be like this or like this? And they're like, absolutely like this. I mean, they were, they were absolute. So I'm like, okay, that's the direction that I'll go. So was able to come up with ideas that fit both physically, the person. Okay. Or era specific. For instance, okay, so Lady Sybil's frame. The shape of it had to be her her character was very uh style conscious. Mm-hmm. And she was always the first one to get the new style and to, you know, kind of cross the line. And so we had to make sure that whatever we did was very era specific, but was true to being the style at that time. So I found a style going through all of my textbooks and everything, found a basic style that was that came out right during those years that was popular. And then I just, you know, took some artistic license and then picked the the blue because of her teal outfit in the scene where she comes out in the pantaloons and all that. Um, so so we we follow storyline, we follow the era, we follow what matched her character and then made it fit so that it would fit her face. So the reason we did that, actually, when we first started designing, I had things that were a little more elaborate and kind of, and they wanted me to stick a little bit more um, that would, how, how can we say, be, be era specific, but be for the masses rather than, you know, one particular. So we, we, we dialed it back on some of the, the bling and that type of thing. And then we went with this, the shape that, again, character specific, stylistically era proper, and fit that fit the face. So if that answers that question a little bit, we do that with every character. You know, Lady Edith, hers had a lot of Art Deco on the side temple, and the front is a basic oval because she was not flamboyant. Sting. Yeah. And Tom Branson's frame is green. He's Irish. So, you know, it's just all of those things come into play, all of them, every bit of their character, every bit of their style, um, and what they would do. How incredibly fun, though. (laughs) It must have been to do because you're describing both research of the era and then getting comfortable with the with the actual actor and, and then comfortable with the character, you know, the character that they're playing. Yeah, and then in overlaying it with all of your expertise. It, you must have had a ball. So much fun. Oh, the only downside was I got the contract and then COVID hit. And everything shut down. Sure. So on the upside, it gave me lots of time to draw and do research. <laughs> on the downside, once I had it ready to go and I got all my approvals, I couldn't do anything about it because manufacturing completely shut down. Okay, women entrepreneurs, I want to let you know about a fabulous resource. The Extraordinary Women magazine is only $29.99 a year, and with that minimal investment, you'll receive four issues of the digital magazine, which are just chucked full of inspiring interviews, 
subscriber highlights, valuable tips, and ideas for you, the entrepreneur, regardless of the stage of your business. But this is a big but. This is more than just a magazine. During the year, you will have opportunities to connect with other like-minded women who are supporting each other and sharing ideas as they go along their business journey, as well as invitations to valuable workshops on topics that you need to plant or bloom or grow that business, as I call it. So go to the extraordinarywomenmagazine.com and subscribe. Join this movement of women from all over the world who are creating and growing businesses. So I got put back about a year and a half on the project, which was really difficult because I was sitting on a whole lot of things that had to get going. And that part of it was really tough. So now we have the entire Crawley family collection ready that's made sitting here. And reshipped. So we started already. We did a convention over. We did the main launch in London, and it was the few days right before the the premiere in London. So they invited me to go to the premiere. So that was a great deal of fun. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, a great deal of fun, and I'm very thankful to Carnival Films for the invitation to that. It was great. Yeah, but how fun. And again, yeah. as a SAG member, you know, this is not totally foreign to you. It's a good be to many of us who are never had that life. Yeah. Or that a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but great. So how do people so how do you distribute or how do people, let's say, you know, someone listening goes to their, you know, ophthalmologist or who uh, I don't even know the difference. Optician? So an optician, optician is a person like me who is is the equivalent, basically, of a pharmacist. Okay. So okay. If, you, if you picture it like that, the optician is the person that makes the eyewear. So you bring the prescription to us, we make it. Optometrist is a person that can check your eyes and, and basic diagnoses and, and things like that. And then a specialist is an ophthalmologist. Oh, so okay. Yeah ophthalmic office, an optometric office, and an optician's office. Okay. You have the three different layers. And now optometrists often have an opticianry in, in, in their office. So right. you know, that, that often happens. Okay. So to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can go to your optician or optometrist and tell them to bring the line in. <laughs> oh, yeah. And all these people saying, where can I buy them? Yeah. You can buy them from, from my, my boutique. But what I would much prefer is if your optician or optometry office carries the line. So we've just gotten started. We're in a few offices in the States. We're in a few offices in England. Um, so it's just getting rolling, but we really want this to get out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, talk to your optician and your optometrist and have them bring the line in. Um, it's very simple for them to bring it in. Uh, if you cannot get it that way, then go ahead and you can order it online from me through my, um, my little boutique bonavistaoptics.com okay. um, so you can order it there and yeah it, it's really pretty straightforward so how do you keep yourself from looking at people who have glasses on whether they're newscasters or just people you see out and about how do you keep yourself from blurting out 
those are the wrong glasses for you. <laughs> you, know? you know, when we go to the optical conventions, it's kind of the running joke there. It's like all the stories of the people that could not stop themselves. They went up and they would like push the glasses up or they'd go. And I'm like, uh, you need you need to have your temple a little longer. It shouldn't end here and they shouldn't be tilted like this. <laughs> it really needs to have a long enough arm. Yeah, it's it's really I, I totally honest. It's really, really hard. To look at somebody when they're sitting wrong. And and the hardest part, honestly, again, being an optician is I know that they're not looking through the lenses where they're supposed to be looking through the lenses. And I know their vision is not where what it's supposed to be. And I want to go tilt them and I want, you know, to make them fit right so that I know they're seeing right for the prescription that was written for them. And so how many times they're wearing prescriptions that are, you know, their prescription is down here and they're wearing it. <laughs> It's up there. Down here instead of up here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough. And it is for every optician who cares about what they do. Yeah. 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 So would you ever do the the Downton Abbey line? And I'm sure there'll be other lines at some point that are connected to books. And I love that idea. <laughs> or or movies. But then are reading glasses. Because there's many of us who I can see forever. Um away from my screen i just can't see the screen and i can't read anything in front of me without reading glasses yeah so okay so i will give you my honest answer for this a lot of people won't like me for it but that's okay <laughs> i'm old i don't care anymore um <laughs> it's not the truth the benefit of being old is like, I don't care. <laughs> this is the truth um, actual reading glasses you're still looking through a lens right yes do you want that lens to be a poor quality lens that your eye is straining, getting tired mm. and not the distance between your pupils is not measured so okay. that your optical centers are off? The material it's made of is the biggest issue. Oh. Um, I, my husband has bought some reading glasses off the rack and I get really upset with them when he does it because <laughs> like you still only have one set of eyes for your life. so. If yeah. you want to wear them out and hurt them and, you know, this is my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, sure. hear it. This, this is my opinion as an optician. There are different qualities of lenses. Okay. You want to use the best quality lens that you can afford for your eye. Okay. okay. So that, that's the bottom line. Yeah. I know. And there are people that I sell reading glasses to because okay. I would rather have them use that than not be able to have anything at all. And I've been known to give away reading glasses sometimes because, you know, I just I want them to be able to see. Please wear something that works. But if you can, please get your optician or optometry office to make your reading glasses for you with your prescriptions. So they're measured for you and they made out of a good quality material. That's that's, that's all I can great. say about that. Yeah, no, I, that that says an awful lot because it, it's really interesting to me who who actually buys off the rack all the time. And I've been frustrated because some brands are great. You can see through them and some you can't see at all. Um, so uh, truly, um, yeah. and they don't, something about them that they don't last. It's yeah. really strange, but I, it's probably the materials. Yeah. There's reasons why we pay more to have glasses made than yeah. some other times. So yeah. Okay, so what I need to stress on this, yeah, um, so I don't get letters. <laughs> <laughs> I 
is there is something for everyone. Mm -hmm. If you can afford it, please get something that you can take care of your eyes. And if you have insurance, use that to get the good lens rather than the inexpensive lens. And if you are buying readers off the shelf, contact the company and ask them what material they use and what the optics are on that lens. Okay. So, yeah, I'm trying to keep myself out of trouble here. Yeah, no, 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 that's- but I mean, seriously, you want to know how you're taking care of your eyes. Yeah. So yeah. If it's a cheaper brand, and, and I will tell you, I know one cheap brand and I won't mention them. They make really good readers. So, yes, and I'm not going to mention their names, obviously, but they make really good readers. Check with the company that makes your readers and see how they make their lenses. Okay. So, and what they make it out of and ask what the optics are on them. But again, I'm an optician. Get, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, get them custom done with your measurements. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of us have astigmatism. And and your astigmatism is not corrected in your off-the-shelf readers. No. And it, it is in a custom reader. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really good to know. Yeah. It's really good. Um, I know what my next appointment is going to be. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I made the comment not that long ago that uh, our bodies as we age, and someone told me it's from 40 plus, um, is sort of like an old car. And you just have to constantly find, uh, you, you constantly have to do repairs and do maintenance. And so all of us, um, our eyes on a short vision close up does get impacted. So this is super important. You know, we buy a new car, but we don't think about glasses. Uh, yeah, and, I w- and I was showing you too, when we first got on talking, yeah. I had these on, right? Yeah. I take them off because they're not that pretty for, for doing this because of the yellow lens. But I will tell you, having an amber lens for doing computer work, um, I don't do my computer work without my amber lenses because it cuts down on the glare, it gets rid of the blue light. It gets, it, it just, it, it makes your eye relax. So, right. you know, there's different brands out there that you can use for, um, for co- computer eyewear. So you should have reading glasses, you should have computer glasses, and then you should have all round glasses. And that's not a sales pitch. That is, that is what's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. In, really interesting. But but truly, where do you see this going, like from a business standpoint? Because you're a businesswoman and we're going to talk a little bit. I want you to share a bit of, and maybe you can do, uh, piggyback this, you know, some of the challenges of owning your own business, running your own business, and how it pulls in different skills. Um, and what are those skills? Um, yeah. And and then where is your business going? Do you think about those things or do they just evolve? So, um, first of all, Downton Abbey right now for me is the the main thing that I'm doing. Okay. Um, because it really takes a lot of focus to develop getting getting all the marketing done and and um because we're trying to get in touch with all of the different opticals in Europe and, and UK, Canada, and the United States. Wow. That takes time. That takes energy. That takes effort. And right now, you know, as well as I do, it's really hard to get help right now. Yeah. So, and, and it has to be good help. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough right now. That's, that's the truth. So just trying to get the word out there that we actually exist because 
everyone so far that has come to me has said, I didn't even know this existed. And it's like, yeah, that's why I'm here at the convention or that's why we're, you know, contacting you or, but you, you do have to get word out in every single way that you can. And that's, that's time consuming. Um, so that is, that is number one, but it, at the same time, what it has done and, you know, you can think about this in, in whatever your terms are, or, you know, anybody that's listening, whatever their terms are, whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in doing this, I've had to gradually evolve from, you know, being contact lens person, sales rep to, to, to doing eyewear in a store, regular, you know, conglomerate kind of thing, um, to doing, doing custom eyewear. How are you different? How can you set yourself apart? Because, you know, now everybody's just doing stuff online and as simply as possible. So how do you stay up with it? I, I'm 60 now. So how how do you stay relevant and how do you keep up with the trends? I mean, bottom line is you just have to. Right. Um, but then you have to think ahead of it. What's going to be the next thing that happens? Um, and people are caring more about their health. People, the, the population is getting older. They're going to be caring about all of the customization and and how can I make it special for me? That's that's different. Um, so you really have to keep those things in mind as as you're developing your your company or business. Yeah. Um, in my sense, again, I'm I'm very focused right now. But what it's done for us is, I now have other people and other entities contacting me to design for them. Oh, interesting. So I developed a program so that anybody that, you know, is is a good match for it, that wants to do it, to have their own eyewear line, I have a, a system where I can do that for them. So I walk them through it. I, I design for them. I manage the entire production. And then they take care of their own um, distribution or they can give it to me if they want. That's a separate, a separate deal. Yeah. Um, so that's that's basically where it's where it's gone is yeah. they get to know me. They get to know what I do. They think, wow, this would be a really great thing for my brand is to have our own line of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So I can do that. I can design them. I have all the contacts so I can design them. I can, you know, get them manufactured in several different places of your choice. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, you can have your own eyewear line and it's, you know, designed by somebody that's inside the industry. So I have put together a program for that. And that's that's where my company is going, honestly. Okay. Yeah. But that's really interesting because there's, you know, all kinds of ancillary products that people can create off of their, you know, their primary product. And it's potentially glassware or glasses, not, yeah. you know, it fits, falls into that category. In some ways, glasses have become a significant accessory. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, what's eat? the first thing when when people look at you? What do they see? Do they see your face or your shoes? Oh gosh, your face, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people are, and this is true. They they, they are switching up to their eyewear rather than the shoes and the purse because the shoes and the purse that's yeah. lovely too. Don't get me wrong, I love your shirt. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and if I'm designing purses, maybe I also need to design eyewear that you know kind of. What do you usually see together? A purse, a scarf, and sunglasses. Yeah, right. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, yes, and and you think of all those crazy movies and even celebrities where the glasses they wore or the glasses they wear are so iconic you know it's it's um 
I just saw the sequel to Time I mean, you talk about glasses and sunglasses and how iconic they were on t- that Tom Cruise wore in the first one. And he was wearing them in the next or Breakfast at Tiffany's and, you know, the sunglasses she had on when she. I have I have friends that that's what they do is they they coordinate with the studios and they do the eyewear and then they're able <sighs> to market the eyewear. Yeah. It's great fun for them. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting. And that's, a, I think, a really good point for people also is that sometimes we think we have to create things that the whole world can partake in and not to super niche. And actually, super niching is can be an entire career path uh, that is quite interesting. And also, you know, I, I loved how you talked about your business, kind of how it evolved, not not just the company, but how you started, you know, that you were working in an office, uh, you know, when you were still in college. And that's how this all transpired. So sometimes we think we have to plan out, Bonnie, you know, <laughs> have to know where I'm going to be in five years, where I'm going to be in 10 years. And and we don't. We really I couldn't. I could not have told you this when I was laying on the couch watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> if you would have told me any of this, I would have thought you were out of your mind. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. just you never know what's going to come up. Just understand what it is that you can do, what your fun place is, what your talent is, what your passion is, mm-hmm. and follow that. And I always, you know, I tell my kids, you know, you can be so regimented. And this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then you end up just getting a job. And then, you you know, you go to college, you don't know what you're studying. And, mm-hmm. you know, understand the things that you love. Understand that you're going to be work at work all day. <laughs> right. And if you hate it and it's tough and, you know, why are you there? Life is short. That's another thing that we've all learned. You know, life is really short. And you have to be doing what you love, if at all possible. I mean, follow your passions when you're making your choices. So yeah. and it just changes everything. It does. and But the opportunities will start to happen. Even if, if what I hear you say, you know, here you were laying after surgery, watching Downton Abbey, binge watching Downton Abbey as a pastime, so to speak. Or to, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you, you, you trust trust that it, something will come out of it. What yeah. What do you think, I have some opinions based on what you've shared, but what do you think are the the greatest strengths that you have that have contributed to your business success? Wow. You know, I have to tell you, honestly, I believe that we all have a purpose. And I think, you know, just my own personal beliefs is that I'm here for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And you know, I give somebody else control of my life rather than just me. I think things happen as they're supposed to. So I think that's probably one of my biggest strengths is I don't try to just control it. I try to let things happen as they're supposed to. So that that's one of my, that's, you know, my personal belief. So that's one of the things. I also believe, you know, that, you know, I've done a lot of things, you know, throughout the years that I really hated that intermediate job or whatever. And I just don't. I'm sorry, but don't stay there. It's, it's, you know, so the ability to be self-assured enough, and you know that it's not right, even though it feels like you need to find out something else that you enjoy that, you know, if you need to do it, then make sure it's something that you enjoy. I want to always word it right because I never want anybody to think that 
their life sucks or whatever. I just I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I think you always have choices. And even if, because there's been times I've been completely broke, didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from. And you just have to trust that if you get off your duff and go take care of things, take care of business and do what you need to do, the right things are going to come into play. So it's, again, I don't ever want anybody to think that just because they're not doing the fun things or whatever, that their life isn't right. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's right for that moment. You're doing what you're supposed to be that moment, but don't forget to start looking for the other thing that's going to be really good in your life too. Yeah. So just don't, don't lock yourself in. So I think that's one of the strengths is I just don't lock myself in, but I've always been, I think ever since I was one, I had a bucket list. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, I, I want to do this and I want to do this. <laughs> and I remember being really little and, and like, oh, I want to do that. Or I want to see that. Yeah. And I was, as a teenager, I was a stupid movie star freak. And, you know, that yeah. I don't think that ever left hundred percent. I think as far as, as strengths, here's the truth. I don't see a lot of strength in myself. I see opportunity that is often untapped. And I just see the next thing on my bucket list. And I see the next thing I want to explore. And I see the next thing I want to research and know about. And I, I, I think probably if I was to say it was my strength, but I don't really think it's mine. But if I was to say it's my strength, it's that I don't have a lot of fear. Mm. What does that mean? I'm not scared to change things. I'm not scared to look for the next thing. I'm not scared to see what else is out there. I'm not scared to you know, leave a bad situation. I'm not scared of anything because as long as I have this, you know, my hands and my mouth and my brain and, you know, you can figure out the next thing. So have faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I would also add to that, that you're a people connector too, because you talked numerous times about how you stayed in contact with these people and stayed in contact with these people. I know a lot of people and I don't, maybe that's, I don't have the fear to go back to some of those people and say, what about this? What about this? You know, what's happening here? Is that true? Do you think? That's true. I will say, I want to add this though, that I have no fear in, in, in going after the next thing. I have a lot of fear in that meeting or that <laughs> that thing that I have to do, I am petrified. I get really nervous. I'm petrified about it. But I also know that there's a bigger picture. So I try to just push through that that short-term thing that's going to scare yep. me. Like this podcast. <laughs> like this. Oh, you, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or or Stephanie's, and especially Stephanie's even more so because I really didn't know about it, plan for it. And, you know, it's like, what, what, what? oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was really scary. So I have a fear for those short term things. Mm -hmm. um, that phone call, I will, I will look at the phone and I'm like, I don't even know how to dial the number. I just, I don't know. Yeah. But then you push through that one small thing and it opens up the big thing. So, you know, you, you got to keep your eye on the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that is so brilliant. You, you, you can't imagine how many of us feel that same way and may not push through that initial fear 
because it's really easy to distract ourselves when we're terrified. (laughs) And I, I don't like to fail and I don't like people saying no to me. So I am afraid of those things. Those, those, you know, I'm afraid of, of failing or doing something stupid or saying something I didn't really mean to say, you know, or them saying no, or like, Mm -hmm. why would you think that, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. although that makes me mad when people say, why do you, it's like, well, because I thought through it. So, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. internal judgment. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, you're afraid of that. You know, you, you, you care if you care about people, you care about what they think. And, and, you know, I, again, being older, I care about it a whole lot less than I used to. Yeah. You know, so that, again, that is one benefit of getting older. When you're younger, you know, that rejection and everything is a really a lot harder. Once you're older, it's like, okay, on to the next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, um, that moment though, that mm-hmm. moment when I'm about to do that one thing, it's like, am I crazy? And then you just push through it and mm-hmm. never know what's going to happen. That's true. That's absolutely true. But in that moment, I I find it so interesting that you brought that up because in that moment, there is great indecision. There is a great opportunity for a part of yourself that says, oh, forget about it. Just let's do what's comfortable and, and not push through it. Where there, thank heavens, is a bigger part of you that says, come on, we can do this. We can get going. And that's what all of us have to tap into is because we have that part. We have those aspects of ourselves yeah. that we didn't want to sit on the chair and do yeah. nothing because yeah. it's safer. Yeah. yeah. And we all have those moments. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, do I really want to have all that responsibility and follow through later? Or, you know, you, ha- you have to think through those things. But yeah, it's you have to take the chances otherwise because you never, ever, ever. The biggest thing to me is I don't like what ifs. I really hate what ifs. And I've lost people in my life. You know, I've had, you know, a brother that died. I've had things happen and Mm -hmm. you you never want to have those. Oh, I wish I would have done this. I would, you know, what I would have done that. Those are the only regrets, true regrets in life. You want to make sure that you've done everything you can in all the, in the, the situations that show themselves to you. Yeah. I love that. And it's so true. It's absolutely so true. Well, you're doing that. You are pushing oh, through those hard things. You really <laughs> most days. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe that's maybe that's that's some kind of a significant quote. Most days, because if you do it most days, it, it, you create one. Oh, and you have to have balance too, right? You have to have balance in your life. You know, it's in our case, we have days that are family days. We yeah. have nights that are this is family time. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a matter of learning how to balance and draw those lines. And I've had to draw those lines at times where sometimes I didn't want to, but you, you have to, you, and, and you're thankful for it later on, you know? Yeah. But none of us, Hey, just life isn't perfect for any of us, mm-hmm. you know, that we all have kids and we all have, you know, other things going on in our lives and we all have, and, and balancing it, we are not going to be perfect. No, we're not going to get everything right. And so be it. Yeah. But be kind to ourselves and recognize that, like you said, I need balance. I need to power through those moments when I want to go the comfortable route, but also be kind when it doesn't work out. And whatever it is that you think you want in the moment, it actually may not be what you want longer term. But it never know. Oftentimes, you know, you look back and you say, 
man, if I would have gotten that thing that I wanted, right. <laughs> it would have been so bad. Yes, yes. If we're like, thank you, angels, that worked exactly. out. <laughs> it wouldn't have been the best thing. Yeah. No, no. And we have to accept that, too. Yeah, yes, it, it, absolutely. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up today that may help the the gal that's thinking of starting her own business or the gal that's built it and is now trying to expand it and balance her life? Any any nuggets? I say it for everyone who's listening. Thank you. There were so many good, good pieces to think about here that you have shared with us. I'm very appreciative. Yeah. Plus, I need Downton glasses and I need yes, real reading glasses. <laughs> you know? Yes. Now, you know, I think I shared what what I what I wanted to um, as as far as, you know, again, you know, it, I'm, I'm a to summarize kind of person. Yeah. It's like like you say, don't don't be too hard on yourself, mm-hmm. but also don't expect that things will come your way, because if you don't get up and do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. Right. You know, some words of advice. If I would have at the beginning of all of this, I thought about taking a big loan to take care of all of it. And instead, I just did little by little by little by little and financed it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really glad I did that because making payments on things and everything when you don't know and then COVID hit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just sometimes sometimes think it through. And I always have a plan A, B and C. And everybody in my household laughs at me because (laughs) plan A, plan B and plan C is, you know, it's like have have your different plans in place because if one thing doesn't work then think it through long term again you know it's it's the whole don't just look at the short picture look at the big picture so that you don't make any mistakes and any big mistakes you will make mistakes mm-hmm. you will make small mistakes you will make some larger mistakes but try to avoid the big mistakes by pre-planning plan a b and c looking long range yeah no well, and I also hear you say, don't be uncomfortable about taking baby steps, even yes. though you can't get super big right away because that requires an, an infusion of capital that may have to come outside yourself. Um, be okay with that because it might also shift and it might end up that you do something entirely different with whatever your idea is yeah. than you thought. Like you said, you never in a million years did you think you'd be designing down nabby glasses. And it's so ridiculous. Near <laughs> Castle and Chateau Lalande. And oh, my goodness. I love yeah. it. Absolutely love it. It's Near- great fun. Yes. Well, thank you, Bonnie. And all of the information will be in the show notes so that people Sounds great. contact you and uh, if they have any questions or follow up to this podcast. So and please do contact me. Don't be afraid to, you know, it myself or someone around me will will get back with you and and um yeah, and there's no dumb question. And yeah, we ship all over the place. We will take care of you if you have a question about them. I will answer you no problem. So okay. we're, we're here for you. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank love you it. so much. I'm so glad for Chateau de Lalonde so I got to know you too. Oh, I yes, we we have to connect on that one and that's another <laughs> conversation right <laughs> we need to get stephanie on this call <laughs> absolutely <laughs> thank you bonnie right. take care you too bye-bye 
Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And if you got only one big takeaway from my conversation with Bonnie, it might be to let yourself imagine all sorts of ways you could merge what you love with your skill set and your interests. And from that, create your business. If you liked this conversation, please press the like button, subscribe, and share this podcast with other extraordinary women just like you. Now, Join our conversation of truly extraordinary women. We might seem to be a group of average kind of gals, but we're doing extraordinary things. That's the key to creating a magical and purpose-filled life. So I hope you join us. Take good care. And as I say in Paris, a bientôt.